0: (laughs) Championship football. About to show these boys how we really get down, man.
1: Sixteen weeks. Let's go. Thousands of hits, catches, tackles, kicks,
0: passes, and blocks. A lifetime's worth of blood and sweat, all poured into a
1: sixty-minute bone-crushing, adrenaline-fueled battle of bodies. Welcome to Go for the Two. Go for the Two. With Yahoo Sports Radio college football analyst Joe Lisi. And former Georgia Bulldogs wide receiver, Corey Allen. Corey Allen. Right. Let's rock and roll. Yay. Auto
0: up. Here's Joe and Corey.
1: Welcome back on this February 1st. It is great to be here and broadcast live. It's been a little bit of a hiatus since that national championship game, Clemson and Alabama. Clemson tied taking the national championship in 2015, 45-40 over Clemson dynamic game, great matchup on both sides of the ball, one of the best national championship games that I've had an opportunity to witness. Just great, great action. We turn our sights now to the NFL draft and the NFL combine a little bit later this month, but we have a great show planned for you today. I want to welcome in a standout at Syracuse University and a, more importantly, a standout in the NFL for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's a former number one NFL draft pick. I want to welcome in former Syracuse and Jacksonville Jaguar safety Donovan Darius. Donovan, how are you today? I'm doing well, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for joining me today. Just an outstanding career at Syracuse from 1994 through 1997. You were a two-time All Big East selection in '95 and '96. You became the 1997 All Big East Defensive Player of the Year of the Year for the Orangemen at the time. Talk to me about what it meant for you to play for former head coach Paul Pasqualoni and to play for the Syracuse Orangemen.
0: I mean, it was definitely an an honor and a privilege, you know, growing up and not knowing much about Syracuse, uh, but having the opportunity to go up there and and really have it be a place where even when I was in college, uh, even my third year there, I was blessed to have my brothers come up and live with me, my two high school brothers, and, you know, and just kind of, you know, have a role where in our family history, not only did I graduate from college, Play, you know, college football and have great experience there. But also, from a family perspective, got a chance to do what most people may not be able to do, is and, and that is really go through college and allow them to experience some experiences that they would not have. And so, for me, it was it was a tremendous opportunity, a tremendous you know five years that I spent you know shirt my first year and in, in the next four years. So um, it was great. And you mentioned Coach Pascalone. Uh I think I'm grateful to him because even in that situation with my brothers he even allowed uh and gave us favor to allow us to do some things as a as a as a college athlete uh entrusting us to stay off campus and do those things and so uh I'm so grateful for the time that I had there all the coaches that I had as well as the the brothers that I became friends with and and a lot of them even still to this day
1: We'll talk about the relationships with your great teammates in a little bit, but I want to talk about the state of New Jersey. A lot of people, uh, back in the day, we know I grew up in in the great state of New Jersey and know that there's great high school football there, and you came from Camden, Talk to me about uh, high school football within the state because we hear how the high school athletes down in the in the deep south, how they're the better athletes, but there's some solid mm. NFL talent that's come out of the New York, New Jersey area, most, most of the players that you played against in Syracuse. But talk to me about playing football in the state of New Jersey and what that meant for you to go to Syracuse.
0: Oh, oh. man. I mean, I think the state of New Jersey has – if all the guys that lived in New Jersey stayed – in New Jersey, like at Rutgers, I mean Rutgers would have probably been a powerhouse. I mean, when you think about the colleges all across, uh, you know, the country and the guys have come out of there. I mean, that state have produced so much talent um, across the board. And so, it was, for for me, man, I was it, it was great growing up in New Jersey. And whether it's the North Jersey, South Jersey, Central, it doesn't it doesn't matter. I think the struggle. Uh, and really I would say more the opportunity that we had growing up in Camden, New Jersey, where when you looked around, there wasn't a lot of hope, there wasn't a lot of encouragement, and a lot of times all you did have is family and sometimes your sports and academics to try to give you an opportunity for the next level. You take advantage of it, Um, and that's why there's a saying, never despise small beginnings. And so sometimes some of the greatest and most influential people come from those humble beginnings. And so I was grateful to do what I was able to do with the help of my family, my, you know, my parents and my, you know, my coaches and and everyone else who helped me. And that's why even to this day, uh, I use the platform that I've been, that God has blessed me with, you know, just to reach back and to help pull people forward and show them that there's hope and a lot of that started in the state of New Jersey, especially when they have an opportunity to go to Syracuse.
1: Talk to me a little bit about the recruiting process. Was Syracuse number one on your radar back then, or, or were there other teams that, that really had a jockey in terms of getting Donovan Harris <laughs> to play for?
0: It's interesting, man. i never forget. My, my first letter I ever received was from Penn State, and I was so happy with that. And of course, my junior year, uh, those guys were – were coming to the school, meaning mean, the colleges were coming to the high school to look at uh, Omar Cassidy, was a, which was a running back, who then went on to Georgia Tech. And as they were looking at him on film, they were like, who is this number 20 guy? Um, and I had just transferred there that year to Woodrow Wilson High School. And so I was seen by coaches coming, looking for somebody else, but then I got on their radar. And so when I started getting letters, it was, it was amazing because I was the first one in my family to go to a Division One college, although my brother, older brother, and sister had talent, um, they just did not go, you know, to that level. And so when I started getting those letters and the whole recruiting process uh, was great. I mean, I remember my top five were uh, in no those, those deficit order was Ohio State, uh, UCLA, uh, Georgia, uh, North Carolina State, and Syracuse, and so I took visits to Wisconsin because Ron Johnson, a former teammate of mine, went there. I took a visit to North Carolina State, and there was a lot of guys—George uh, Red you know, uh, a lot of guys that was from that from that area uh, went down that way. And so I was familiar with, uh, you know, some of the coaches and some of the players down there. Actually, matter of fact, a, a opponent of mine a competitor of mine, Damon Wychey from Camden High, he went there as well, uh, coming out the same class. And like I said, Ohio State, I took a visit there, and then Syracuse. And so I actually almost basically committed to North Carolina State, but I just wanted to do something different. I didn't want to go where everybody from that South Jersey area had went. I wanted to kind of create a name for myself and – Syracuse had a great opportunity with their tradition, with their, with the Carrier Dome. Uh, me coming in wanting to start a major within speech communication, they had Newhouse, and so it, they just kind of won, you know, won me over. And at the end of the day, I mean, <laughs> five years later, after Syracuse, I think it worked out, you know, for my best.
1: You certainly created a name for yourself because to become all Big East defensive player of the year at the the defensive back position in 1997 just shows how dominant you were in the conference at that time. I really respected the way you played the game with physicality and more importantly intensity. I mean, just dominating the position back then. Talk to me about uh, when you did arrive on campus. I mean, the relationship with those teammates that you mentioned. Did somebody take you in under, your, under their wing on the defensive side of the ball or an older guy when you got there to show you what Orange Ring football was all about?
0: Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, and that's the great thing about mentorship, leadership, and humility. When you understand that you're coming in, you may have been the top of the class you're leaving but you're coming in with guys who have information that if you humble yourself, you're able to open up yourself to learn to get from them the things you need and add it on top of who you are and what you can do, then your game can go and your life can go to a whole new level. And so when I got to Syracuse, uh, one gentleman, a couple of gentlemen, but one gentleman specifically, uh, a guy named Dwayne Joseph. He was a cornerback. I believe he was out of, the D.C. Maryland area, and we, I remember us doing sprints, and I was always kind of you know even as a freshman I was you know out there in the front after practice, and I was just you know I'm just doing what I can do, just working hard, and I'll never forget there were guys you know that was probably one year ahead of me and and so on and so forth. They started ragging like, oh, Dom, you're trying to be on the front, but he, I remember he pulled me to the side, and he said, listen, Dom. He said, "You keep pushing like you're doing because it's going to pay major dividends." And to this day, matter of fact, I just seen Dwayne Joseph. He's a, he was actually a, he went on to play several years in the league. He played for Chicago some years and whatnot. And uh, he's also working with management. Uh, he was working with Miami Dolphins and currently, I believe, with the Philadelphia Eagles. And he did it with Chicago as well. And when we talk about that even to this day, and the fact that he saw something in me, he encouraged it something in me which was a work ethic to to continue to do. Put your best forward you know, foot forward. Live with no regret. Put it all out there. And don't do it for anybody else other than the fact that you know this is what you have and you want to give it and when it's all said and done you can look back and say you give everything you have. And so uh Dwayne Joseph was someone, like I said, my very first year that watching those guys, the way they prepared, the way, you know, as, as young men, we were all teenagers, but it was just something different about them. And, uh, and I really gravitated towards that. And when I became in, an opportunity to have a starting role, I wanted to bring some of those same principles of encouraging the guys behind me, uh, you know, that were younger, being a role model, but at the same time trying to be, do the best I can to be a leader by example.
1: I love hearing those stories, and I, I remember your games back in the day in, in the mid '90s. To me, that's what sort of epitomized college football. I know your first year there after you redshirted back in 1994 it was a crazy game too in the, in the Carrier Dome. You, a game against Oklahoma. I don't know if you remember that game uh, specifically, uh-huh. but Oklahoma had two running backs named James Allen and Gerald Moore, and you guys fell yeah. behind twenty-four to nothing at half. Dan Conley, the the linebacker for your team back then, led the comeback, and you. You guys lost that game, but I, I just remember the intensity in, in terms of clawing your way back in the second half. I, I had crazy things happened in the Carrier Dome back in the day, and it's just, it just epitomizes what Big East football was all about. I mean, I don't think a lot of fans were in college football fans overall realize how good the Big East was as a conference from top to bottom. I mean, you guys epitomize blue-collar defense. You, you had NFL talent on each and every roster. And when you think about the great conferences back in the day, it's like people just thought the Big East was a basketball conference. Talk to me a little bit about that and the rivalries of in within the Big East football-wise. I mean, it
0: was. Uh, I, I really enjoyed you know, the Big East. I mean, of course you hear through television everything how how big SEC is and was, and, and I think that they're a great conference and they do a lot of great things. But for us, especially coming out when Big East was at its top, I mean, our biggest rival, of course, was, you know, Virginia Tech, uh, Boston College, and then, of course, Miami. I mean, that just even playing Miami at those times when they had all those studs, on their team. I mean, it was just it was just something and and to, for them people teams to come in the Carrier Dome, you mentioned about the Oklahoma for coming in the Carrier Dome and, and feeling like, man, where in the world is the air? Where's the oxygen at? And that was <laughs> to our advantage. I mean, one a, you know, a team in Florida may have the heat, Well, you come in the Carrier Dome and you're like, "Well, where where is where is even the air at?" You know, the Carrier Dome, the air conditioning company, but there's no air any air in here. And so um <laughs> We had a lot of great rivalries, man. I mean, I remember us beating Miami for the first time in several years. I believe it was uh either my I think it was my my senior year down there might have been like twenty one to seven or something, uh, you know, going down there and you know, the old battles with Virginia, you know, Virginia Tech and West Virginia, I mean it's just it just goes back it just goes back and forth and the number of guys that's come out of the big east uh is, is amazing. And so it's it's just it's one of those things that I I love that period of time from when you're really going from a young man to a man because you're all growing. I love college football a lot of times even more in that experience, even more than just the NFL, because you are really coming together from all parts of the world in the country, and you are growing together. You're going through experiences. There is a brotherhood of all types of things that's happened and experiences. And the fact that you get a chance to do it, I mean, it goes to the college, you know, college experience. I mean, I have my, my oldest daughter, you know, she's just, you know, she's 17 years old, and in November she just signed a Fulbright scholarship, you know, thank God, to Alabama for track and field. And so just when I'm sharing with her about just the experiences, I told her, man, I'm just so proud of her with the moment. You know, just the fact of accomplishment, but just also understanding, too, that this next chapter of her life, as it was with mine, uh, is a major contributor to who she is and who she'll become uh, in, in the years to come.
1: And that, I'm like you, and that's why I love the college game so much, because I like seeing players come in from the time that they're freshmen till they leave when they're juniors and seniors. I like to see them develop not only uh, maturity off the field, but on the field as a football player. And that's the one thing I yeah. think that I lo- You know, we see the NFL. You see guys like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Cam Newton now dominating the position. But they're there mm-hmm. for five 10 years, so we don't get to see the turnover in programs like you mentioned, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, West Virginia back in the day, where we saw great athletes develop from the time that they're freshmen until the time that you left when you, you were juniors and seniors, and you get the turnover of talent from high school to the college game, and I think that that's what a lot of fans don't recognize, is that you get to see new players each and every three or four years, where in the NFL game, it's just a consistent you know, level, if you're good enough to to maintain the position for eight to 10 years. Like you were, you just dominate your, your position. We don't get to see the turnover like we do in college. And that's what I love about this great game on top of the tradition and pageantry you dominated your position at the safety level. I mean, your size alone, 6 one about 220, and you were so physical in run support. That's what I loved about your game so much, not only your ability to cover the deep middle of the, uh, the field, but you, how you came up in run support. Talk to me about the safety position back when you played in, in college and now what we see in, in the collegiate game today with all the rule changes and the spread offenses. Well, I mean,
0: I mean, to your point, there is an evolution of the position uh but i believe when you know when you go through the years of the best safeties that's ever played the game there are some commonalities between them that that distinguishes them between a guy that's just have a one year two years uh versus a guy who has longevity and success you know again for bearing any type of major injuries but it comes down to professionalism and it comes down uh, to being disciplined, uh, you know, and I, I often tell people, and, you know, as I get a chance to share now and I get you know, even mentor some of the guys even on the Jaguars team. But then but just my everything I do right now is about service, and it's about imparting into young men um, or, you know, just building them up. And just a lot of it is really helping them personally and professionally. And so in sharing about the evolution of safety position, it's really like the evolution of life. When you understand the certain principles that are consistent, that are not changing left and right, and you master those principles, whether it's, let's say, football as a safety, okay, Uh, tackling. Tackling is leverage, angles, timing, and finish. Leverage, am I inside out on a guy or am I outside in? angles. What is the best angle to take there? Is it straight down? Is it forty five degrees? Is it ninety then forty five? What is it? Okay? And then it's you know, then it's timing. Get there as fast as I can to about four yards away, then come under control and keep moving forward with your leverage. And then finish. Step the contact, hit on a rise, hit on a run, two step redirect to the ground. Those are that's a principle and the systematic approach that happens all the time. It happened in my mind, every single play. I practiced it. I studied it on a film. I did it over and over. And so I was not going out there based off of talent. It was based off of the principles of success in doing what I needed to do. And now you go to even as far as the pass game, if I'm in cover two, what is my alignment, assignment, run past key, technique, and finish? Same thing. I go through that every single time. So what happens is you're getting – you're getting consistent in the things that make you successful versus saying, Man, I'm really hyped up today. I'm really just juiced up, man. I'm ready to have a great game, man. So, you know. That that only goes so far. Because there's games that you play that you don't feel like playing. There's things going on in your in your schoolwork, it's going things going on at home, it's things going on in your body that may not make you feel like playing. But the level and the standard is always has to be consistent and high. And so what do you lean back on? You lean back on the principles of success. And so that's where it comes that you have to learn that. You have to seek it like it's treasure. You got to find out who has that information. And then how can I practice it? How can I apply it? How can I walk it out? So that way that thing can become my thing. And then now individually, you know, I can make it my own and help it dictate for me What the longevity of my career. One of the reasons why I played 10 years in the league, okay, it wasn't that I was just the greatest out there. I always say it's people faster, stronger, quicker, smarter. But with the principles of success and understanding it, you get a chance to master it, and you get to do your best at it. And it alone, by you participating in it, gives you more statistics or more higher percentage of success. And so, as we look at the evolution of the of the position, those things haven't changed. I mean, I studied Steve Atwater, Ronnie Lott, you know, John Lynch, and and all those guys, and and you know, and a good buddy of mine, Brian Dawkins. I mean, I studied them and watched them, and it was the same thing. It was the same thing, over and over and over. So this generation of players now, and this is not a you know a soapbox talk. <laughs> this generation, <laughs> for the most part may not understand the principles of success. They want to be more famous than they want to be professional.
1: And so they may not know
0: where to get that information from. They may not know that this is actually the secret to your success. And so they want to be, like I said, they want to be more famous than professional. They want to be instant famous. Like, you know, I seen a guy make a tackle the other day, you know, in, in the games this year, and he just barely made the tackle. And it wasn't like the last play of the game. He just barely made the tackle. He reached out just the last minute. He made the tackle, and he got up and he just started jumping up and beating his chest. And I'm like, no, sit down, shut up, no, don't do that. You just barely made that, son. If you if that is what you bring to the table, which is the inconsistency, then guess what? You may not be. You may not make it the next play. Get up. Go back to the drawing board. Let's keep doing it. Let's keep working on it. Let's keep working. There are times for you to celebrate, you know what I mean, making a big play. But when you're just barely making plays, one time you make it, one time you don't, then what happens is in this, in, in this generation, they become, and always remember this, consistently inconsistent. And so you're like, well, wait a minute, why is this team, they just can't get over the hump? Because they're consistently consistent. Now, The people and the players that make it on the field and in life are the ones that are consistently consistent in what they do. Your repetition determines your reputation, and that breeds confidence. If you're repeatedly missing plays, not studying, not doing what you need to do, guess what? That becomes your reputation. This is no science to it, and then therefore now you become either confident in what you don't know, you know what I mean, in what you're doing wrong, or you become very confident in what you do good. And I was just blessed, and I'm grateful, to understand those principles, to walk them out, and then I felt as much as I can do uh, when I played. Like, when I played with Jacksonville for nine years, there were 17 different free safeties that started next to me, 17. That's incredible. My mindset, when I went, when I played with them, was how can I best serve you so that way we can be on the same page? And so it wasn't that I was trying to give you everything I had. It wasn't that. It was where are you at? What do you need? And how can I support you? Because when you're supported, then I'm supported, and we're all on the same page. And see, in this generation, guys don't understand that. And so, again, you talk about the evolution. I think that's part of it. And it goes across the board. And you'll hear me as I'm talking. It's always, it may be sport, but it's life. These principles don't change. They don't change. Well, you have to seek them out. You have to seek them out.
1: I, I I love hearing that, and I, I have to be honest with you. And I, I I can you can hear when you hear it in your voice, and you hear it explained with the intensity and and how sincere you are. You understand why you were a great player, not only in college but the NFL. It is consistency. It is film study. It is the stuff that you do even in, outside the football field. If you're consistent across the board, you're going to be a better football player and a better individual overall. So I, I really credit you for for being a talker and mentoring younger players today because they need that. I don't think that there's enough uh, players at the high school level and that's across the board. And you can even go to the NFL today. I know that, that the league has changed the rules, but even consistency in tackling wrapping up, we see too many players on tackle too many players. I hate YouTube with the big hit with the shoulder and not enough guys wrapping up. And, And that's why to hear it. Consistency. It's right. I'd rather have a team of 11 guys that just wrap up and, and try just to make every single play on the defensive side of the ball than try to make YouTube with the dominating big hits because, in the end, that'll win ballgames. So I I love hearing that. I agree with you 100% and really credit you for, for what you've done to become a better football player on every level and just great information across the board. I want to ask you about it. Let let me me
0: share I was going going to give you a quick little example, and I share this with people, okay? And it it goes back, you were mentioning about studying. All right. In a typical game, and the numbers have went up a little bit because of, you know, the past happy, you know, league, and it's okay. I mean, it's nothing against it. It just is what it is. But when we played, you know, there's typically about 65 to 70 plays during a game. And so, but out of those 65 to 70, about three plays will be be the game changers. And so that means that 62 plays may be very monotonous, may be the same thing over and over. I just got to play my coverage. I just got to be in where I'm supposed to be. And I may not make the big play, I just got to do what I need to do, the simple things, doing what we're supposed to do, doing our job, being where we need to be. But when those three plays come, I got to be in right position to make them. And so what happens a lot of times when a person is trying to be more famous than they are professional, they're looking at every play is that play to make. Every play is that one, but it's really not. I'll give you a prime example. We are playing Indianapolis Colts, you know, when Marvin and, you know, um, Peyton was there. And through film study, goes back to the principles, man, through film study, Start breaking things down and start looking for tendencies. What can I see that's going to help me? What are those three plays? Can I find one of them, you know, that I'm going to be able to make a difference? Well, realize that when they had three by one, that means they had three receivers to the left, okay, and they had one receiver to the right, Peyton Manning and a shotgun. When he had three receivers and Marvin was the widest receiver, when, they, when Marvin was at, lined up on the bottom of the numbers, closer to the sideline, the bottom of the numbers, this is what happened. Those three receivers on that side, two of them, the, Marvin and the next guy, they ran up five yards and then they came in. The tight end, the third one, went up ten yards and went to the corner. He basically ran a forty-five degree kind of like a you know reverse post route. But whenever Marvin was lined up on the top of the, you know the top of the numbers, okay, he, they did a different route. Marvin would come up ten yards and then come in. The second guy will come up five yards and sit down, and the tight end will come up ten yards and run in. So we get into the game, and it's third down and eight. And all of a sudden they're lining up three by one. Now, I can't control what play the defense, the coach calls, but I got to understand what they're doing on their side. So when they do line up, then the opportunity comes. It may be that play. Well, we just happen to be in a coverage where Marvin lined up on the end, top of the numbers. that means he's coming 10 yards up and in second guy is coming at five yards and stopping tight end running 10 yards up and running in we just happen to be in this coverage called three hook and that just means that the safety is going to come down right to the area that marvin harrison is coming into on that 10 yard in route and so when they lined up third and eight and i saw it in my mind i was like yo this is it I wanted to tell everybody, but I couldn't tell anybody. I didn't want to tell anybody because I didn't want to give it away. So now it's like right there, it's like you're going for a kiss, you know what I mean? Like when you're in high school, you don't want to be all like, ah, you want to be, you know, nice and smooth. You expect it to happen, right? So I'm lining up and I'm like, okay, I can't let Peyton Manny know that I'm coming to this area. So I lined up as with, with as if I'm in cover two. And I put my feet the same way that I usually do as if I'm in cover two, so he can see my feet, think that I'm in cover two and I'm going to open up for cover two. So on the snap of the ball, I opened up like two steps just to give him an appearance that I was going deep. And then all of a sudden I just came right back to right to that spot I was supposed to be. Peyton Manny took one step back in the shotgun. He looked to the other side of the field, and it was a timer route, and he just threw it right to that spot. Never even knew I was there because it was a timer route. I picked the ball off, took it several yards down the field, you know what I mean, and got tackled. I say all that to say the principle of professionalism, of studying, being in the right place at the right time, that one play right there was one out of the 65 that I was able to make a difference and I was able to change. But it's about being in the right place at the right time, okay, and understanding that you have a role to play. But that role, if you're not in the right place at the right time, you'll never be at a chance to do it. And so teaching guys about walking out these principles, being in the right place at the right time, studying yourself, studying the other team, it helps you to be professional. And so that's all you got to do at the end of the day. Like think about this. A defensive end, okay, if he doesn't make any plays, right, but if he has one sack, if he makes one play every game, one sack a game, that defensive end is going to be an all-pro, Pro Bowl player, isn't he? Because that's 15 sacks. All you got to do is make one play. And so he needs to be working on his craft, working on his hand movement, getting off the ball, all this stuff. Because all he got to do is really make one play per game. Right. And so it's really at the end of the day, it's about doing what you need to do, mastering yourself, studying yourself, studying your opponent. But, again, it's principles of success.
1: That's right. And that's that's great, Donovan. I mean, again, I love hearing these stories because – you're right, and, and that's what I admire about you. It's it's it is the film study. I mean, it, it is breaking down film and breaking te- and understanding tendencies. And I always say. In the, because I break down the college game. And what, what um, when you get to the ball games and when you get to the national championship, what team is going to win? It's the team that usually, and the coaching staff that breaks tendencies. And if, if you're in a heavyweight fight and you're going to do exactly the MO that got you there, guess what? More times than night you're not going to win because well, the obviously. opponent, if he's good opponent, is going to study you. You have to be able to go out and do things that the other opponent is not expecting. And that comes down to game planning. That comes down to, And that's why I, when I watch these Super Bowls, you say, well, why is one team more dominant sometimes than others? Because sometimes yep. – It's the coaching staff that's willing to go outside the box and break tendencies to keep the other team off balance. And that goes with players too. So I love hearing that. I agree with you a hundred percent. I admire you. And really I can hear you're not only an athletic football player, but a student of the game. And that's what we don't see consistently. And I agree with you. The guys that you mentioned though, Ronnie Rod, Brian Dawkins, I mean, it doesn't get better than that. And yourself, I mean, I'm a Dolphins fan. You ended Dan Marino's career in that game, uh, with, <laughs> game. Trust me. Trust me. And I remember a dominant defensive secondary with yourself and former West Virginia standout Aaron Beasley back in the day. I mean, yeah. it did not yep. get better than that. A lockdown corner and a, and a dominant safety such as yourself unbelievable in the NFL but I do want to ask you one question before we talk about what you're doing now in your NFL career talk to me about track and field because I do interview a bunch of standouts and stars and that were track athletes and I and I ask them did it help you become a better football player and more uh, without a doubt they without hesitation they all tell me Joe Track and field helped me keep limber. It it taught me a lot of techniques that I used on the football field. I want to hear your, take about becoming uh, just a dominant, you know, uh, track and field athlete as well.
0: Man, I mean, now, again, with the time things changed, like we didn't do as much training as guys do now in terms of sport-specific training. And so, some of the things that guys have now, between seven on sevens and spring ball, and you know, and, and sports performance, elite training, and at a facility, you know, number one, we couldn't afford it, but secondly, we didn't have access to that. So we did what we did. Um, I've been, run, I was running track since basically second grade, um, cross country, indoor track for Kansas City Track Club, and then when I got to high school, middle school, and high school and then even in college, there is no other thing outside of working out in football and learning, you know, the drills and skills that I would attribute more to my success um, athletically than track and field. Because to your to your point, track and field, although it's a team sport in terms of certain relays, it is individually. It is individually. And no matter what sport you do, especially with football, you have to know how – you have to be able to run. And you have to be able to run at a level – where performance is higher but effort is lower. You don't want to have – you want to be as efficient as you can. And there's no other sport that I know and training mechanism that gets you, you know what I mean, to that point than track and field. I remember when I was in college, um, my first year when I went into college, I did not run track. But the next year, my second year, I did. I went out for track at Syracuse and – you know, and I was actually, you know, all big east and all this and the other with track and field as well, and I ran a four hundred hurdles. Well, the best year I felt outside of my last year in college that I had as a football performance was the year that I ran that I ran track. And the reason why was because it was something about running four hundreds, it was something about being in having good speed endurance where you're maintaining your speed at a high level your efficiency, what you're turning over with your, your running mechanics and you're not wasting energy and your, your core is strong and tight because you're run, you know, because it needs to be, because I'm running hurdles and, you know, and when you get into that final hundred or the 400 and, and, it seems like the monkey's on your back, but yet you're just focusing and relaxing and, and lifting and, and arms are moving and you're just, you're just motoring down the, the final stretch. There's nothing that prepares you for that. So when you get on a, football field, and you got to run from the left sideline to the right sideline and up and then back and all that stuff, I was able to do it without effort. It's nothing like being in the middle of the field and they throw a a ball down the sideline, okay, and you got to cover basically 27 yards to get to that sideline, and you're just smooth. You're just so smooth. You're still running fast and you're not, like, just trying harder. That's because of what that track background helped you understand, that it's not about how hard you work, it's how smart you work. And so I got a chance, like I said, I love track, you know, what I mean, and even when I played in the NFL, my off season workout started on the track. And it wasn't starting with like sprints, it was starting with building a base. Let's build our let's build our base and let's get in some base. And I'm not talking about mileage. I'm talking about like maybe eight hundred a mile here or not at full speed, but just building that core. So that way, guess what? I can start focusing on technique in football and not have to be focused on running. And so that happens by building a base. And so uh, my suggestion to a lot of guys, you know, as they're making their decisions, is if you have an opportunity to to implement and include track, training, the development that comes with that into your, into your you know, your, your repertoire and development, I would do it. And there's nothing like running next to a guy who you're he's just in another lane. You can't, you can't punch him. You can't hit him. You can't trip him. You can't – none of that. You just have to be in better shape, have a better mental, you know what I mean, understanding, strategize better to beat this guy from here to there. And you get to do that in track. And so uh, I'm a big proponent of it. Um, and like I said, for my daughters, you know, even personally – for them to 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 have that in their system and and, and it's just it's just, it's just great though and I and I recommend it for most most athletes who who have to run a lot and uh, and just looking for some good efficiency and uh, base training and base
1: base foundation for their sport. Yeah, that, you, that's great and, and great information. Again, you mentioned you moved to the NFL from college. I mean, what you did in at Syracuse. That uh, three hundred and seventy nine total tackles was a school record for a defensive back i mean that's unheard of domination at the de- at the safety position unbelievable, and you mentioned the talent that you went up against each and every week in the big east conference. you become a, a first round draft pick in nineteen 19- Ninety-eight for the Jacksonville Jaguars, twenty-fifth overall. You stayed with Jacksonville until two thousand and six. Six hundred and twenty-six total tackles, fourteen interceptions, and two sacks. Unbelievable. Talk to me about what the most memorable moment for you is in a Jacksonville Jaguar uniform.
0: Oh man, I mean, there's, there's so, oh, there's so many, man. There's uh, again, I, and I say that because I did not, I was not that guy who felt like, hey, I've arrived. And so the appreciation for the moment is what I lived in. So something as, in some eyes, eyes, as insignificant as me, you know, getting drafted or running our conditioning test or building up, you know, doing the off-season program and, and understanding how tough it can be, but we made it, you know, to, of course, you have all the games and the AFC championship games, But for me, I guess I can sum up in this way. For me, the best part was the journey, not necessarily the destination. And so what that looked like from a year-to-year basis, it was I sometimes got more enjoyment out of the off-season than I did just the season. And what I mean by that is that I understood that there was a journey of discipline and sacrifice that went through an off season program and being an exercise science major at Syracuse and coming out, that really helped me because I got a chance to write more programs and different things like that and have other guys, you know, come and work out with me. And, you know, and we, we just get into the best shape that we can and, and break things down systematically so we can improve on what we did before and make it even better moving forward. And so that journey of preparing was great. And then when we got into the season, the journey of preparation throughout the week. See, the games were only the masterpiece of what the work that went into it. And so when I, like I told you, like I was sharing about the story with the interception, what what made that so special was the fact of the diligence of the preparation that went into it. And so now here's the masterpiece that goes out. It it resulted in an interception. And so is the same thing as I look at all the experiences that I have. I mean, I'm I'm blessed and have been blessed. I was talking to someone today about all the tackles that I've made in the NFL. And some of them are documented, some of them are not. I mean, I still, like to this day, I had the record with the Jaguars for the defensive backs and, you know, um, with the tackles and stuff. And I think about The grace of God, that the way I played the game, as physical and as hard, and only one way to know how to do it, to know that I played 10 years and I had different surgeries or whatever throughout the time, but I don't have any residual effect from any of it. You know what I mean? I don't have any residual effect. Yeah, I had a couple concussions and stuff like that, but I thank God I'm in my total sound mind. I had a couple of shoulder right. surgeries, but I have full range of motions in my body. I had an ACL, but, I'm, you know I mean, that leg is just as strong and stronger than the other ones. And, and there's no limitations that I have. What? You know, and, right. I, and I can teach it. I can show it. And, and I'm able to walk into the next chapters of my life. And so it goes back to, like I said, the journey. Appreciating, uh, appreciating the journey. Today is called the present for a reason. It's a gift. And so we focus on the gift that is today. And we maximize our day. And we're appreciative for what we have today. And that's how I walk throughout my career. And one of the great things that I'm, I'm grateful that, I, you know, that I had the mind to do was I was big on capturing the moments. So I used to have video cameras back then, you know, and I and I would tape throughout the season. I would tape us in training camp with Coach Coughlin up in the front talking. i tape our rookie shows before games. I used to, at the hotel the night before, I used to talk to the camera about what's going to happen tomorrow and what my mindset is and what I got to do. And then before the game, I would turn the camera on in the locker room and I would talk to it, okay, we're about to go out there. And, you know, it's a narrative. And then at halftime, okay, here's the score, such and such. After the game, my report. So I'll never forget in 1999 when we went 14-2 and and only lost two games to Tennessee, we get to the SEC Championship game and we go out there, in the first half, we come back in halftime. And I'm turning the camera on, and I'm like, yeah, hey, yeah, I think it's like 14-3 to three or such and such, and we're winning. We're 30 minutes away from going to the Super Bowl, and you can hear the excitement of the guys. You can hear the coaches doing their final, the halftime, talk to the, everybody, and 30 minutes away, let's go get it. <laughs> and then, you know, everybody knows how the story ends. We're not Super Bowl champs, <laughs> nor we Super Bowl in Super Bowl. So we come back in after the game, and we lost. And took everything in me to continue the story, so I did turn the camera back on, and I talked to and shared you know what happened, and you can see the guys coming in head down, man, a couple of things being thrown, you know things were choice words being said, and all that, but to capture those moments to capture those moments, because here's what I say: in life, you're either experiencing it or you're or you're observing it, and so when you're experiencing it as we were in the NFL. We're always trying to get better. So we're not staying long on how good we are or how well of a great game it was because we always got to guess what? Forget it and get on to the next one. But other right. people from the outside can observe your life. They can reflect on it. They can look at it. And they can like, oh, man, you're this, you're that, or, hey, you did a good job. And, you know, a lot of times you're like, okay, well, thank you. But it's when you get done, you get a chance to now reflect on your life and observe it from another perspective. And that's why I'm so grateful to have those videos. Because now I can go Uh, back and I can sit back and I can reflect and I can observe a life that happened in a snap of a finger. you know. And I don't have to recall every moment, but I have something that's captured. So my word of advice for anybody that's listening to this, capture your life. Capture those moments. We got phones now that everybody can capture it. You know what I mean, capture these things so that way you can go back and you can look and you can see where you come from, and that can be encouragement to you. Or you can share with your children or grandchildren or family members about moments. Don't let it pass by you. You know what I mean? Hold, capture it. Hold on to it in some way, shape, or form because, again, it's a lesson for somebody.
1: That's great. That is that is, that is so inspirational, and you're, you're dead on with that in terms of, in capturing because it can be used as a positive method to um, help you overcome adversity. And the one thing is football. football players that we we do best in terms of football players overcome adversity. They do it on the short-term level. They do it on the long-term level and you're a, a combination of both because you're mentoring now. So uh, that's great, great information to make people vision their lives because it's part of positive reinforcement when you vision good things happening and you, it, it inspires you and makes you want to go out there and achieve it. So that's great. I love hearing stuff like that, Donovan. I mean, I, I, I could sit here and talk to you for hours. I mean, it's just <laughs> great, and, and, and just so so much positivity in, in, your, in your speeches and the way you talk. I love it. Talk to me about your foundation. You do have a foundation now, the Donovan Darius Foundation. Talk to me about that and what that incorporates, and, and sure. does it incorporate talking to younger people and younger athletes today? Oh,
0: most, well, yeah, so... So one of the things that happen when you get done playing, okay, and you're going through transitions, the biggest challenge in that, and that's basically a challenge, but it's also an opportunity, is to find out what is your purpose. And in developing that and understanding that, you got to say, okay, well, what do I do? What do I do best? Why am I created? Why am I here? You know, it's not so much about what you do, because what happens is one of the challenges with transition is when, when, sometimes, when, when what you do becomes who you are, when you stop doing what you do, you can lose who you are, your identity. And so for an NFL guy who's played a long, long time or a person who's just been a single mom uh, you know, or a mom for a long time or, or somebody been at a job for a long time, or military, that's all they know. And so when you leave that, you know what I mean, there's a transition period that can be very challenging because you're trying to figure out, well, who am I now? because all of who I was was built up into what I did. And so I went through my transition phase as well in 2000, you know, when I left the league, 2007 up to 2011 and whatnot. And in that process, I had to discover and soul search and say, okay, who am I and what am I here to do? Why was I created? What am I here to do? And I understood. And part of that discovery phase, I realized that my gifts that God has given me were. We're teaching and encouraging. And so no matter where I was at, that's what I was doing. And so it's all about the information that I'm now teaching and encouraging. And so one of the things I said, okay, well, I, because of how I grew up and where I grew up, I understand the importance of having nonprofit organizations where people can come and they can get built up, no expense, the only cost it costs them is to pay attention you know, and to listen and to engage and to show up. And so that's when I started, the you know I mean, the Diamond Dares Foundation. And so I said, well, how is it, what can I do to have the biggest impact in the shortest amount of time, okay, with the right information, with the right place and the right people? And so through all that and that process, and I came up with what I call the Diamond Dares Life Camp, Foundation Life Camps. And the very word camps means character, Action, motivation, and purpose. And so it is with that framework and that acronym that our life camps are formed. And so, what are life camps? Life camps are basically our workshops. know, are workshops where we get a chance to provide for the families, okay, an experience that's built on education, motivation, and encouragement and application. And so, the right place that I figured was hey, let's do it at the Jacksonville Jaguar Stadium. Because at the Jaguar Stadium, that's where my dreams came true. And I want to basically, I want to help individuals allow their dreams to come true. And so that was the right place, the stadium. So who are the right people? Well, I said families. Families are the right people. So in the family dynamic, you have the fathers. So we need to do something for fathers. Mothers, we want to do something, a life camp for mothers. Okay, girls, daughters, we want to do something just for girls. Boys, we want to do something for boys, and then boys and girls, we want to do something for them. And so, what my foundation hosts is we basically have we we basically have what we call these life camps, where we get a chance to tackle our community's greatest challenges head on. What are some of those challenges? Some of those challenges are things within the family dynamic, you know, crime prevention, okay, obesity, low self esteem, conflict resolution skills, uh, you know, what I mean, improvement in parenting styles. Uh, financial illiteracy, uh, you name it. Everybody can say, well, what are the biggest community challenges? And this is what they are, and this is what we get a chance to address in, with my foundation. And we do it through, our, like I said, these life camps. And so what the families do on the website, com, what they do is they sign up for the life camps, which are four-hour events at the stadium. Half of the time at the stadium, we're inside in our workshops, engaging workshops. And they're broken up. People are, you know, there are different age groups, and, you know, depending on what it is, the parents may have one, the moms may have one, and fathers may have another one. You know, the kids may be in the different age groups and different groups. So everybody is getting the message. Everybody's having these live, these engaging sessions where they can apply the information right now. It's life skills, not, camp, not football, not sport, life can't. And so what we get a chance to do is for those four hours, we get a chance to be inside and build them up into all those areas, and then we get a chance to go outside, on the practice fields, and we get a chance to do a lot of fun family activities, from between tug of war race, i mean tug of wars—to age group races, to mom races, to uh, you name it, to everything. And then we get a chance to finish it with some type of closing ceremony, um, that is specific to you know what I mean whatever the life camps are. And so to date we've done twenty life camps, twenty life camps, and we had about fifty since two thousand eleven uh well really two thousand twelve since I moved back to jacksonville and we've um we've had about five or is it fifty about fifty five hundred um participants through the go through life camps. These life camps are free, okay everybody signs up online, and when they sign up online this is the special part when they sign up online, we ask them. Very personal questions about their family dynamic to try to understand what are some areas or risk factors that they need supporting. We'll ask them, do they need things in terms of emotional counseling, uh, alcohol abuse counseling, you know, uh, nutrition, financial, dental, medical. The the, the point is to try to get a really good scope of what their family needs are, and then when they come down to the life camps we have community organizations that are there that they can support them in their specific areas. And so then when they come down to the camp, they enjoy the whole camp experience. They get connected to these community organizations that address some of these areas. And then when the camp is over, and if anybody want to go to the website, com, you'll see that what we have we call relive the experience. So they can click on that button to the camp that they participated in, and they'll see all the stuff from that camp that they just attended. They'll have the curriculum up there, okay, all the literature, the curriculum. They'll have pictures, videos, highlight videos, everything that took place so they can relive the experience. Again, I told you we were talking earlier about capturing the moments. Well, we capture it for them so that way they can have it, they can go back to it. And then somebody who didn't even come to the life camp, they can still go there and hear the messages, and hear the words, and hear the encouragement, and see the actual documents and the actual literature and the things that the people who did attend what they got a chance to go through. And so that's what the foundation, you know, Diamond foundation Foundation, um, that's what we do. And then the other component outside the life camps is a mentorship component. And so again, I get a chance to work with a local high, you know, local high schools and middle schools. Um, you know, there's a program called 5,000 Role Models of Excellence um, that was started out of South Florida. They brought it up here. And uh, part of my foundation, I partner with, with them gentlemen, uh, boys and girls from these high schools and stuff, and just, get, again, working with them from personal and professional development, maximizing their potential by walking with purpose. And so that's what the Donovan Darris Foundation is. Like I said, it's a nonprofit foundation. Um You know, it's one of those things where, you know, we always need support, always need resources, always give an opportunity for people to connect and allow their mission, their vision, you know, and then their values to match. And then when it does, you know, it's, it's, it's a greater family. And so that's what we do, man. I love it. It's a way to pour out into the community. It's a way to touch everybody in the community. Like I'll give you an example. The Girls Life Camp we did last year, We had 280 girls attend. Each life camp, there's usually 250 to 300 participants, not including um, about 70 to 90 volunteers. Uh, And my foundation has no employees at all. And so it's about systems, processes, things we were talking about earlier. Out of 280 girls that came, they were from 118 different schools in this area. And so it's wow. about the diversification. It's about because, again, you take the message, you take the experience, and you take it into your community, and you impact your community. You know, this right. is all about kingdom mindset, you know, where it's like yeast. You know, you put yeast in flour. That little bit of yeast impacts that flour dramatically causes it to grow. So we want to empower individuals, educate them, build them up, and then send them out to their community And so now they can grow from the inside out. And that's what we're trying to do, Um, and will God bless this man through, you know, the Donovan Darris Foundation mission.
1: That's great. I mean, you really are a role model and and a true inspiration to athletes of all ages. I'm going to put all of the information up when I write the article uh, a little bit later today. I'm going to incorporate your website, DonovanDarius.com, and put the links on there so people can go directly to your foundation and see the great work that you're doing within the Jacksonville community. I mean, it's just great, great. And this is what I admire because a lot of – we hear the negative a lot, and I'm in the media, but I don't like that end of it, and because there's so many great athletes, such as yourself, that are giving back from their time in the NFL that we don't concentrate enough on the great work that former NFL and current NFL players are doing within their communities, and you're a true testament uh, to what you've done on the football field and what you're doing off of it, and I just, uh, I just commend you for the great work that you're doing today. Before you go, Donovan, it's, it's been a pleasure. I mean, I, I could say here with you and talk another four hours about your years okay. in Syracuse and years in the NFL. I mean, just great teammates across the board. Uh, I would love to hear stories, but talk to me quickly. You have a quick prediction for this Super Bowl Carolina with Ken Newton, Peyton Manning. Who do, how do you break it down, and who do you see winning this matchup?
0: Well, i tell you what. I mean, I, I don't think it's, you picked two of the better teams with the um, you know their stories to do what they're doing. I mean, you know, starting with Carolina, uh, you know, you think about it. The ideal situation is to be able to play this game, play it in a zone. In terms of what I mean, play in a zone, you're you're at such a high level that you're in a zone, and it's just happening before you. But the way that Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers are doing it through the leadership of, you know, I mean, Coach Rivera, you know, which is, you know, having fun, but fun is doing it the right way. You know, I mean, being accountable to one another and going out and and really passionately making a difference. I mean when you think about just last year, Cam Newton, you know, was in that accident. And I believe too that right. something through that situation showed him and as he was he was, um, you know, doing an interview, I think even last night I was listening to a little bit, that it showed him how futile and fragile life is. And although he was, you know, still a professional before, that impacted him in a way, or at least what we've seen, what we've had been seeing this year has impacted him in a way that he's become, like we said, that yeast and that flour. You know what I mean? The team is gelling and growing off of his leadership and through his energy. And that just goes to say to anybody, man, that it doesn't matter how big, small, whatever color, race, age, whatever, man, you all have, everyone has the ability to be a leader. you got to govern and lead yourself first. And then you have an impact, an opportunity to impart that encouragement, building people up, and, you know, and achieving greatness. And that's what they've done. I mean, you, then you look at Peyton Manning on the other side. You know, we got drafted together in 1998. And so to right. see him still doing what he's doing at the level he's doing it, to even make it, it's very hard. Remember, we went to one AFC championship game, okay, out of 10 years. It's hard to make it to that level and have all the things line up. That to make it to that level, especially when you talk, when you talk about you know people studying you and they preparing for you and your tendencies, but you still being a step ahead of it, you know you still being a step ahead and still being as efficient and productive is a true testament of his 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 professionalism and his character. And like I said, they're playing with at a, such a high level right now. And I mean, and their defense. I mean, what they did to New England and just really. Made you know Tom Brady and New England Patriots look like you know just a a college team, you know, compared to what New England was doing to other teams with the same thing. I mean, it was a it was a it was a science to see, man. I really enjoyed it because I was like, wow, somebody has an answer for it, and it's not <laughs> that they're doing something amazingly different versus they have the depth at that front line. You know, that front seven and, you know, especially the linemen, they was bringing people in fresh, putting pressure on. They were doing all the things you want, but most people cannot do. And then the back end, they were like from covering. I mean, they was tagging on receivers. They just wanted, I think, sometimes now in this generation, man, they're they're just going to throw a flag just because you got hit so hard. But them safety was hitting them so hard. (laughs) They just threw flags. I mean, the safeties was trying to get out the way, put their shoulders down and everything and trying not to get a flag. But the hits was just so hard in two man and just coming down on these guys that it, it, they just could not just like let's throw a flag. It got to be, it has to be a fine to get hit that hard, you know. <laughs> and so right. I think it's going to be a great matchup. It's going to be really interesting. Um, I you know I want I, I believe that Cam Newton and them will bring it out, bring it you know because again it's one thing about it he pres- he presents an X factor to the game, right. Because you're usually covering everybody else, but he is a massive guy that has very that's athletic and can throw off of just a flick of a wrist and with accuracy. And so I think that's something that most people, you know, again, you 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 can't really prepare for. You know, you can't prepare. You, there's nobody you can just put right there for him. You know, and you right. still be just as sound on the outside. So, um, at the end of the day, man, I, again, it's a great matchup. I'm a defensive guy, but with what he's done and the way he's done it and that team has done it, I, I would like for them to win, meaning Carolina,
1: you right. know, because I think yeah. they can
0: change the game. Nothing they can change. They have changed the game, not because of their antics and not because of showmanship
1: and anything that takes
0: away from the game, but because of what they're doing within the game.
1: Right, and that, and you, you mentioned the, the X factor. I mean, we've seen dynamic quarterbacks like Michael Vick, but not the same stature as as Cam Newton, and that's the difference. He he is like a linebacker out there, and to tackle him on each and every play or uh, you know, more times than not, it wears the defense down. So I agree with you. It's going to be a great Super Bowl, and, and it's great talking to you about your great career. I love hearing these stories. I love hearing – how you would break down this match-up and just hearing what you're doing. I truly enjoyed speaking with you today. I would love to have you on a little bit later in the year and I make my way to the Florida area. I go down to Tampa a lot, but if I'm ever in the okay. Jacksonville uh, area, I'd love to come to your foundation, see exactly what you're doing down yeah. there and and get get more uh, insight as to what you're doing within the community. Well, like I
0: can say I think it's great and the last thing I just want to
1: say, uh, well actually two things.
0: One, um, the the foundation website is actually Foundation dot com. Um, so when you just so if anybody wants to check that out. But then the other component, the thing that I'm actually doing now, um, outside of my foundation that I do with the NFL. So the NFL has brought me on to do two things with them, um, both from you know kind of consultant roles, but I work for them. But I guess you have to work here in Jacksonville. One of them is um, for three for last three years. Uh, they have they are brought in 10 guys that they wanted to train as transition life coaches. And our role is to develop relationships with guys on the current and regional levels.
1: And we and they
0: developed us and um, brought people in to certify us and train us up in relationship management skills, life transitions, mental health first aid, and applied suicide and skills training. So that way when we're talking to guys, And we're working with guys coming into the league and and guys out of the league to have those conversations. We're able to have those conversations and get guys from point A to point B. Not if they're just having trouble, but just, again, being that coach. We always have a strength coach. We have a head coach. We have a, you know, position coach. We have all these different coaches. Well, what about a coach that's helping you when you're transitioning? And so the NFL under the NFL player engagement department had hired and brought in and trained, you know, I think it's about 20 of us now, um, But I've been doing it for the last three years. So that's what I do as well. So, you know, when I go to Super Bowl. And then the other role that I have is around the same time, but a year, about a year later, the NFL looked at it and said, you know what? When guys finish the league, a lot of guys are just kind of falling off. They don't, they lose a lot of stuff. They lose the brotherhood. They lose the schedule. They lose the the camaraderie. They lose it. And so, how could they come up? with a community that's supporting these players, you know. And so what they did is they constructed and they started the NFL Legends Community. And they said Legends Community because instead of them saying a former player, retired guy, which has a, a connotation of your best is behind you, they said we're going to now rebrand to every player who was, uh, who you know, a retired player or whatever, any player that's ever played in the game is now considered okay, an NFL legend, okay? And so now they're part of the NFL legend community. So what is the community? It's a brotherhood. And our purpose with the legend community is that whether a guy played one down in the NFL, practice squad, two years, 20 years, he is part of this brotherhood, the NFL legends community. And so we get a chance to support them, embrace them, and celebrate them. Everybody, whoever played. And so when I get a chance to work with guys and talk to guys, um, it's really about getting them connected to the NFL Legends community. And when they do that, they, you know, they receive emails with, with, you know, just what are the programs and everything that's out there. And so the great thing that I love about what it is that I do with this as well is that this platform now is an overarching platform that has underneath it the ability to direct guys to every program and benefit that's out there. From the NFLPA stuff, the union, from the NFL um, benefits and programs, everywhere. So we're, in essence, navigators. We're point guards, but we're with a
1: relationship.
0: So here you go. So you're going through some financial stuff right here. All right, well, here you go. The NFLPA has this. Here's who you call. This is what they're going to help you with. The NFL has this as well. Call them. This is who you're going to call. And so we're here as a service now to service the men and their families whatever they need. And that wasn't – we didn't have that when I was playing. And so now right. that the NFL has has decided to do that, you know, it's, it's great because now guys are still feeling like they're part of a community. They right. feel like, you know what, I fought for this shield, and now the shield is fighting for me. You know, and none of this is in wake of anything that's happened or – You know, in terms of recently in the media, a lot of this happened when you think about what happened with Junior Seau. And you think, like, wait a minute. Here was a guy who was admired and, you know, but nobody was able to reach out to him and find out how's it going, what's going on, you know. And so this NFL Legends community, along with what we call, you know, the transition coaches, which we we look at ourselves kind of like the Navy Seals, you know, um, we get a chance to really go in and and build these relationships and just find out where guys are at, you know, so that way we can walk with them. And I think at the end of the day when we started this conversation we talked about why you do all this stuff, it comes down to purpose. This is the purpose that God has created in me, for me at this time. And that's why I love I love doing what I do, you know, and God is blessing with it. I'm grateful.
1: You know, so I always say, I always say, Donovan. Uh, every man has a walk in life, and, and yes. you know, and to hear your walk, and to hear how you're giving back, and to hear, again, how the NFL is proactive in, in reaching out. And, and again, we hear too much of the negative, but again, here's a program that has been started that is new. It's new in its endeavors, and it's embracing a community of people that can help lives and 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 that's the thing it is a violent game. guys do get hurt, players do get hurt there are some that do have some issues, whether it be physical or other attributes and and to help them in that transition is is a great benefit and to hear players like yourself giving back. To create a community, not just for younger adults, but for the former guys that you you played against and former teammates. It's a testament. You need a special person to do that and and I really commend you for the work that you're doing. It's just great information, just a great story today. I, I really well, hope I'll you enjoyed great, speaking man.
0: with me. No, I did, man. It's it's great, man. I can I can hear your passion as well, man. You know, we all use the platforms we have and it sounds like you know, and it really sounds like with me just getting to know you, too, man, That this platform that you have through the medium of writing and, you know, and radio and all the things that you do is something that you really take, you know, what I mean, to heart. And, uh, and I, like I said, I just wish you nothing but the best in it as well. And if I can ever be a resource uh, and support, as you know, you, you're moving forward, man, just like I said, let just let me know.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you for joining me today. I'll reach out. I'll put together the link. I'll put together the interview. I'll send it to you. And like I said, Thank I'd like you. to have you on a little bit later in, in the year. We'll uh, we'll break down some football. All
0: right. Who who do you have for the Super Bowl? Who
1: do you have? It's it's funny because I would say that on paper I, I agree that Carolina is the more athletic team, but I think that Denver will be able to run the football. I think that's the only way they can win the game, and I do think Dane Manning wins. I, I think the way the defense is playing – with DeMarcus Ware yeah. and keep Cam Newton in the pocket. But, it, it, again, Denver needs to run the football and methodically walk down the field because I think if they get into a shootout with Carolina, I think it's over. So I think that's the only way Denver can win. Low-scoring game, have to run the football, keep Cam Newton off the field. The way that defense played against New England, that's who I'm backing. But uh, I think it'll be a great game nonetheless. Well, there
0: you had it. We heard it, we heard it first. All right, let's see what happens <laughs>
1: The, the okay. former player, and uh, the former player's take and my take. We'll see how it plays out next weekend. But there that's go, why man. that's why they play the games, right?
0: There you go, man. Listen, man, it's been a pleasure, bro. I wish you all the best. And like I said, just know that you can reach out to me at any time, okay?
1: I appreciate that, Donovan. Have a great day.
0: All right, you too. Bye.
1: That was former standout for the Syracuse Orangemen back in the day, Donovan Darius. I mean, what he was able to do on the football field, an all-Big East selection in 1995 and 1996, all-Big East selection defensive player of the year, 1997, dominated the Big East Conference, became a number, number one overall draft pick in the 1998 NFL draft, 25th overall, spent most of his career with the Jacksonville Jaguars from 1998 through 2006, 626 total tackles, 14 interceptions, two sacks throughout his amazing career. He played in the league from 1998 through 2007. He's got the Donovan Darius Foundation. If you want to know more about it, Look it up on the Internet, DonovanDariusFoundation.com. He's doing great work within the Jacksonville community. I'll put it up all on my website as well, GoForTheTwo.com. Just great information, great stories from a great player. This is what it's all about. Stay with me all season long. This is Joe Lisi with Go For The Two. Have a great night, everyone.